Welcome to the Hedgemaker Broadcast. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied to the nation of Israel many long years ago. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. He also said that the Lord sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries, located in beautiful Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, is attempting to stand in the gap and make up the hedge in these days of spiritual compromise and theological apostasy. Our biblical and historical Christian heritage challenges us to fill in the gaps left by those who have moved away from their biblical foundation. Listen now as we build up the wall and make up the hedge through sound preaching from God's Holy Word. Mark 14, and we'll just read the first two verses of this chapter. We've already been saying that we're in the last week of Christ's life. Now we're in the last couple of days. Mark 14, verse number 1. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes, Matthew, I believe, and the elders, sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. We want to talk, there's a contrast here between the Passover and this plot. I'm assuming you know the story about the Passover, but let's go back to the book of Exodus and read that story. In the book of Exodus, the Passover was actually the last plague, the last of the ten plagues that the Lord sent upon Egypt. Pharaoh would not let the children of Israel go. He held on to them, and so Moses was instructed of the Lord to send a series of plagues before the Egyptians. And the Passover was the last of these plagues. It was the death of the firstborn in the land. Somebody said, as I was reading a bit of a commentary on it this afternoon, that uh, there was a firstborn that died in every home. In the Israeli homes, it was the lamb. In the Egyptian homes, it was the firstborn son. I've always had an idea that... There may have been some Egyptians who heard about this, can I call it a gospel message, the Passover message from the Israelites, and possibly would have followed through with the instruction of the Passover. I don't know that for sure. The Bible doesn't tell us any about that. But I also wonder if there weren't some Israelis who decided that this was a bunch of foolishness and did not offer the Passover lamb. So let's read the first couple of verses here of chapter 12 of the book of Exodus. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Now it's actually the seventh month of the year, and so there's going to be a rearranging of their calendar. Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. Okay, so there's a lamb for a house. Something was supposed to die in every household. It would be the lamb or the son. And if the household be too little 
for the lamb. Okay, we're going to have to eat the whole lamb. So if you have a neighbor with a few family members and you have a small family, you could share a lamb. That would be the idea. So you together would slay the lamb. So in essence, each household would have a lamb. If the household were too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. So the lamb was chosen on the tenth of the month and slain on the fourteenth of the month. And then ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorposts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. So if you and your neighbor are sharing a lamb, all right, you would eat it in, let's say, your neighbor's house, and you would post that or put that blood on uh, the neighbor's house. And then the idea would be you'd stay there with your neighbor in his house that night, I think is the idea. And they shall take of the blood, strike it on the two posts, and the upper door post of the house wherein they shall eat it, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. And so you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread that is attached to the Feast of the Passover. And with the bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Now, according to the Bible, those are the only things, there might be other places in the Bible where you add a few other items to it. And there's a number of folks today who observe the Passover, the number of Jewish groups that will come to your church and have a Passover, a cedar, they call it, and they add other things, eggs, vegetables, different things, and all of those are supposed to have a meaning. I have a little bit of a problem with that. One is, this is all the Bible tells us about the Passover. It doesn't tell us about the vegetables, except for the bitter herbs here, and the egg, and all of that other stuff that's supposed to go with the Passover. Now, it might be nice to observe those things and to watch those things, and possibly they do, indeed, picture the true Lamb of God. The Passover supper is supposed to do that. And then, there are groups, mostly Messianic groups today, who tell us we ought to be observing Passover today. And I was reading a little bit about that even this afternoon, that using some of the uh, New Testament scriptures, that when the Lord observed the last table, that he expected Christians today to be observing the Passover. Now, here at Heritage Baptist Church, we don't do that. We don't, we don't observe the Passover. I'm not against that, but I don't see any command in Scripture for us to observe the Passover. I do see a command in the Scripture to observe the Lord's table. And as we read it, just about every time we do the Lord's table, 1 Corinthians 11, isn't it? The blood and the, and the body pictured with the, the bread and the cup or the grape juice. And that's what I see in the scriptures. I don't see a command for New Testament believers 
to observe the Passover. So it's my opinion that Passover is over. That it's done. Just like bringing a lamb to church and slaughtering the lamb and slitting its throat and having the blood and all of that sort of thing. We don't do that either. Most of the Messianic groups don't practice the Old Testament sacrifices either. Just the feasts. Again, there's nothing wrong with observing those if you choose to do that. And if groups choose to do that, we all have certain festivals. We're talking about Valentine's Day. Where's that in the Bible? Okay, But it's nice to have it. So there's nothing wrong with observing those things. But be careful about ordering other Christians to observe the Old Testament biblical feasts when there's really no command in the Bible to do that. Now, prophetically, I don't know where the references are for this, but the Lord, in, in his instructions to the disciples, it's not in our text in, in Mark, so it's, it's somewhere else, and, and, and I don't have the reference, sorry about that, but Jesus said something about observing this until he observed the Passover again in the kingdom. That's one of the references where people use, they were supposed to keep on doing it until we get together with Jesus. Now, the way I interpret that is the Old Testament feast and even the sacrifice will be reinstituted during the kingdom age not as a sacrifice, but as a memorial, much like we today observe the Lord's table. This is my opinion about these things. I understand that. Now, having said all of that, this Passover observance is indeed a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians. Keep your finger there in Exodus because we want to come back there. We'll come back and finish reading that text. 1 Corinthians 5.7, where Paul says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Again, people take that passage of Scripture telling us that they were to continue observing the Passover even in Paul's day. I personally don't think that's what's being said, but that Christ is our Passover, and Christ therefore fulfills the Passover. Now let's go back to Exodus. With that in mind, that Christ is our Passover, uh, the observance of the Passover was to look at Christ. And somebody pointed out that how many lambs do you suppose the Israelis sacrificed that first Passover night? Lambs, plural. But notice the text always says simply a lamb. It never refers to a plurality of lambs. So if there's only one lamb, like John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God. Okay, so chapter 12, verse 3, they shall take to them every man a lamb. A lamb for an house. So there's multiple lambs. We understand that. Verse 5, your lamb shall be. He doesn't say your lambs shall be without blemish. So the, the singularity is pointing to the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? And so you see that all the way through the passage there. Now, verse 8 tells us that they would eat the flesh in that night roast with fire. It's supposed to be roasted. 
not boiled in water, but roasted with fire, and eaten with unleavened bread and with the bitter herbs. Verse number 9, eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, not boiled, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, with his pertinence thereof, and ye shall not let of it remain until the morning. That which remaineth of it until the morning, ye shall burn with fire. So it's a complete sacrifice, as the Lord sacrificed himself completely for us. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste, It is the Lord's Passover. Alright, so they're eating it in haste because they're ready to leave. Moses has been entreating Pharaoh to let Israel go. And finally, after this last plague, Pharaoh is going to let Israel go. Now, the rest of the chapter tells about the rest of the story as, and, well, let's read two more verses. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. Remember, they had to put the blood on the doorposts. And when I see the blood, so the death angel is going to come and over each house, when he sees the blood, I will pass over you. No plague in that house. No death to the firstborn in that house because the blood covers the sin and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Alright, so we have the observance of the Passover. Now I tried to do some real quick research this afternoon about how the Passover would have been observed in Jesus' day. It didn't come up with a whole lot. Today, of course, you can find many resources for how the Jewish people today observe the Passover. And as I mentioned before, you can even you, you can even go to a cedar and to a Passover, you know, put on by the Jews, or have someone come and show you how it is done and the significance of all. What's done today? It's done as a celebration, as a feast is, to celebrate Israel's deliverance from Egypt, their deliverance from bondage. I'm assuming that in Jesus' day that was the case as well. There would be little understanding in many of the Jewish homes about Christ being the Passover. I would assume, especially among the Messianic uh, groups, that when Passover is observed, that they emphasize Christ, not just deliverance, the celebration of deliverance from Egyptian bondage. I guess it's like Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a celebration remembering the deliverance from during the intertestamental time, and how the the candle was burning for seven days, and that celebration. So I think a lot of the Jewish feasts today are more so a celebration of something that happened in Jewish life or Jewish history. The Jews today tend not to emphasize Christ. Some of the Messianic groups would do that. And I would suggest if you're going to observe Passover, that you put Christ in the Passover. All right? But how the Lord did this, how his disciples did this, was it a festive time? Some people are suggesting that, okay, we're getting ready for Passover. We're picking this lamb, we're, it's a celebration, so the people are 
in the streets. I don't know if that's really what took place or not. The text that we're looking at here tonight in Mark 14 says after two days was the feast of the Passover. So the Passover was coming. Now, another side here. Some people fault the Bible because Christ in fulfilling. Remember what Exodus said? The lamb was chosen on the 10th of the month and then slain uh, on the 14th of the month. And so people say, well, that didn't happen with Christ. Well, I think it did. If you think of it and count it that way, the 10th would have been Sunday, what we celebrate as Palm Sunday, when Christ was chosen. And then that would have been the 10th, and then you have four more days, and that would have bring you up to Thursday. And so Christ would have been then crucified on a Thursday. Some people say a Wednesday. Of course, the traditional is Friday. Friday doesn't fit the scenario any way you look at it. So we're two days before the Passover, and it seems like Christ observed the Passover meal with his disciples before the actual Passover, which makes sense. There's some problems with that in trying to reconcile the the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But if he was actually crucified on the Passover day, he couldn't have eaten the Passover that day. Okay, He was crucified at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The Bible makes that clear. And so uh, it would have had to have been a meal prior to. I think that's true. I think that's so. The Passover, according to this verse, was to be celebrated in two days. If you're looking at Mark you can jump ahead to Mark 14:12, And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? So the, the eating of the Passover doesn't come until then. So the events we're going to read about in the beginning of chapter 14 are still the preparation. Okay, chapter 14, verse 1, after two days was the feast of the Passover. Now, while that's going on, here's the narrative. Here's the contradiction. Christ was going to become our Passover and die for us. And Christ had predicted his death to his disciples several times. While he is talking about that, the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. So, just the opposite of choosing a lamb and, and slaying it for the Passover, the chief priests and the scribes are plotting to murder the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, they have their many reasons for why that is to be done. We actually have two pictures here in, this two, in these two verses. The first picture, that of Passover. The second picture is that of this Passover plot. Christ, of course, is a wonderful picture of the Passover meeting all. He's a lamb without blemish, without spot. There's the sprinkling of the blood. There's the uh, outpouring of the blood of Christ and so forth and so on. All of that, a wonderful picture. Now, the plot for his death is tragically different. This fellow suggests that while the people are in the streets, I don't know if they're in the street preparing for the Passover. I, I don't know how they observe that. But he says, while they're in the streets, preparing for Passover to praise the Lord for delivering them out of the Egyptian bondage and giving them saving life. The religionists, the chief priests and the scribes, as I mentioned earlier, Matthew adds the elders and and some other group, these religionists were behind closed doors preparing to arrest and murder Jesus. 
They're plotting to take the life of the very Son of God. Plotted here by all the leaders. Here it is. Matthew adds the elders and the the lay leaders. Matthew chapter 26. And instead of meeting publicly, they're meeting in one of the leaders, the high priest's home, actually his palace. Instead of meeting in an open court where the public would know about this, they're plotting his death. It is wrought by deception and lies. As we know, when they actually do have the court cases, they brought folks to lie about Christ. So he's arrested on false charges, and he is arrested quietly after all of the pilgrims had left the feast and returned home. So it's in the middle of the night. Jesus, after the Last Supper, Remember, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane instead of returning to Bethany where he was stationed in the home probably of um, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and that's where Judas is directing the folks to capture him. We get from this that when men are set on doing something wrong like this, they plot, they maneuver, they manipulate, they connive, and at any price, they sneak around. They are willing to pay any price to get rid of Christ, even the price of becoming murderers. We have verses like Romans chapter 3, verse 13. Their throat is an open sepulcher with their tongues. They have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. We have verses like 1 John chapter 3. Verses 7 and 8, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of Man was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Certainly this plot was a devilish plot. James chapter 3, verse 15. We talked about verse 14, the bitter envying and strife in the heart. Okay, well, that's what these fellows have. Bitter envying and strife in their hearts. And then he says, verse 15, This wisdom, which is false wisdom, descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Alright, so the plot against the Lord Jesus is a wicked, devilish plot. And so they're plotting to destroy the Son of Man. Now, let's just think about, I'm not trying to justify what was done, but let's think about some things that were happening in the Jewish nation at the time. If you remember our geography lesson we've been doing in Sunday school uh, several months ago now, we went through the intertestamental time. And even during that time, the Jews held on to their Jewish religion, observing the feast and taking care of their laws and so forth. The Jewish nation had been held together by their re- religious beliefs. I think that's probably even true today. That Judaism today is held together by its religious beliefs. Over the centuries, the Jewish people have been conquered by many armies, uh, or at least attempted to be, and millions had been deported and scattered all throughout the world. In Jesus' day, they were enslaved to the Romans, but their religion was a binding force that kept the Jews together. In particular, the religious rules governing the Sabbath 
and the temple and the religious belief that God had called them to be a distinctive people who worship the only true and living God. What makes Judaism different from everything? It's its religion. The Jews, Jewish nation, was held together by their religious beliefs. And these religionists, the chief priests, the scribes, these people that are listed here in Mark 14 and other places, were men of deep conviction with strong beliefs. What drove them to oppose the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, part of it was their tenaciousness to hold on to this religion, the practices of the Passover and, uh, uh, and all that went with it. Now, they would not understand, as we might understand, the significance of the feast. We've taught about the different feasts and how they preach Christ. They wouldn't do that. These were also men who had professions, They had positions, recognition. They had a livelihood to take care of. They were often threatened by the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, So uh, anyone who went contrary to what they believed and taught was a threat to all that they had. Here was Jesus coming along and, and basically not preaching against Biblical Judaism, but preaching against the, how would you say it, the man-made Judaism. The Pharisees particularly had uh, rules that they added to the Bible, like the, the washing of hands before they ate, or the distance they could travel on the Sabbath. And Jesus, as you know in the Gospel accounts, got into trouble with these religionists all the time. Well, they finally had enough of this. And they said, here's a man who is threatening our Jewish tradition. And so the religionists then were exposed by Jesus. At one point he called them whitewashed sepulchers and different things like that because their religion was just that, religion. It wasn't biblical worship of God. How many times did he say, you worship God... I'm his son, I'm paraphrasing of course, and so you need to worship me. And they wouldn't accept him as the son of God. They thought he was a blasphemer. They said he was of Beelzebub. Okay, so that's the condition where we find these religionists. And there are then four responses by these religious people. Some of them sincerely thought that Jesus was an imposter that he was a deceiver, that he was a false messiah. Wasn't that what Saul of Tarsus thought? He thought that he was doing God a favor by getting rid of these crazy people. Some were open-minded enough to seek the truth about Jesus. And they began to observe and listen to him. Nicodemus would be a man like that. Okay? Nicodemus called Jesus by night. So let me, let me find out about this fellow. I've heard what he's been teaching, and let me find out about him. I'm sure that there were other Nicodemuses that were inquiring of the Lord. And then we find that there were many who believed and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have a reference here in Mark's Gospel. And then some were like the men that we're talking about here in Mark 14, the professional priests and the ministers who looked upon Christ as a threat to them. They held their positions as high priests or priests or scribes or whatever because of the prestige and the comfort, the livelihood, the security that they received from them. 
And they opposed Christ rather vehemently. Caiaphas and, and Annas, they're not mentioned in Mark's Gospel, uh, would be examples of this response. Well, what were some of their errors? Uh, the errors of these religionists, they misinterpreted and corrupted God's Word. Jesus told them, search the Scriptures. And they knew the Scriptures, and they used the Scriptures, much like the devil did. Isn't the, the devil took the Scriptures and used them against the Lord at his temptation. Now, they also committed sin after sin in God's eyes by rejecting Christ and now plotting to kill him. And they reject the way of God's righteousness. What does the New Testament tell us about how we get righteousness? Is it by the keeping of the law? It's through Christ, through the Messiah that they were rejecting. So they're rejecting God's way of righteousness by trying to establish their own righteousness. This is Dr. Lee Hennice, and we want to thank you for listening to the Hedgemaker broadcast today. Most of our broadcasts are portions of a sermon that I have preached the church. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries is the preaching, teaching, and writing ministry for myself. You can visit us on the web at hedgemaker.org. And let's be encouraged to stand in the gap and make up the hedge until Jesus comes again.